Thanks, Lisa. How good is it that we can talk to God as our Father in heaven? Uh, we have a really kind Father who listens to us and, and wants to hear us ask Him things that are important to us. And He's one that wants uh, what's good for us. And what's good for us is actually to wholeheartedly worship Him. That's what we're kind of thinking about uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to have uh, our Bible readings now. We're going to hear uh, one reading, then we're going to sing together. And then we're going to hear our, uh, our second reading. Um, and then Andy Tuscan, who is our, uh, our uh, student minister who's just finishing up, um, he's going to come and uh, explain uh, what this part of the Bible means for us. So uh, if you've got your outlines there, uh, the Bible reading is printed on there. Um, and Nick's going to come and read for us. Hey, good morning. Um, First reading is from Micah, chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labour bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. The second reading is from Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they, saw the chi- when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to uh, good to be here. To uh, two Sundays mornings in a row. Um, uh, if you've got your uh, outline, uh, there should be a, a blank page on the back of on the back of the booklet, so you can scribble down some notes or, or questions or whatever you'd like. Um, yeah, uh, let's uh, let's pray and uh, and then we'll we'll uh, get started. Uh, Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you so much uh, for your word. Um, thank you um, that. We can read it and know uh, your will for our lives. We just pray uh, that you would help us this morning to understand it, 
that you would help me to speak wisely and clearly and that all of us might have open hearts and minds uh, to be changed and refined to be more like your son, our Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, Last week, uh, we saw from uh, Matthew uh, chapter 1, Jesus' family genealogy, that in him, in Jesus, God's uh, good uh, plan for history uh, finds its answer. Um, He is the yes uh, to all of the promises, all of the blessings of history, and he rightly deserves to be at the centre of our Christmases. Uh, This week, this morning, uh, we're going to see why we need to worship him, why that's important as God's great King. Um, Well, friends, what is worship? Um, The the term gets thrown around a lot, and uh, I think from this passage, it means to bow down and to submit joyfully to Jesus as Lord. As I look around and I examine my own life, we all worship things, don't we, that aren't aren't God. Uh, These things can run the show of our lives, Uh, We are what we love. Uh, This morning, I want us to encourage us to realign our thinking, uh, get the compass back back, uh, to true north, to love and worship the one who deserves our joyful worship. Uh, There are four truths, I think, this morning uh, that Matthew wants us to see in this story about Jesus and uh, and about what what he does. The first is Jesus is the only one worth worshipping. The second is God's goal in all things is to see that his son be worshipped. The third is worshipping Jesus is hard. And four, worshipping Jesus means joyfully honouring him with everything that we have. So, let's start at the beginning. Uh, Jesus is the only one worth worshipping. Verse 2, it clearly announces whom this story is really about. Uh, if you have a look there uh, in, your, in your outlines, you should have the passage, or if you've brought your own Bible, even better. Uh, where is he who has been born the King of the Jews? Uh, it's about a newborn child destined to be the King, the King of the Jews. Now, in and of itself... Uh, that, that would not be a very great thing. Uh, by process of, you know, of elimination and chance, somewhere alive in Australia today, there are probably three or four children or young people under the age of 18 who are going to be the Prime Minister of our nation one day. But nobody cares. I don't. Uh, I've got other stuff to care about. <laughs> uh, no one sets out to find them. No one goes on a pilgrimage uh, to, to find them or to honour them. That would be kind of weird. But verse 4 makes clear what the Magi really mean by king of the Jews. It says, gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he, Herod, inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Herod had been called the king of the Jews by the Senate Senate in Rome for roughly 40 years at, at this point, but no one called him the Messiah. Messiah as we know, means the long-awaited, God-anointed ruler who would come uh, to overcome all other rule, all other authority and bring in the end of history and establish the kingdom of God and never die or lose his reign. We don't know how the wise men got their information that there was such a king coming, such a, a great thing happening, but it is clear that Herod got the message. These fellows are not searching for a mere, ordinary, human successor to me. They are searching for the final king to end all kings, 
God's king. And of course, in Herod's mind, that's the last thing that he was looking for. So he asked the scribes, and, uh, and the one text that they focus on is in, in the Old Testament, in, in Micah chapter 5. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, friends, that, that doesn't really sound very extraordinary either, does it? The reason is that the only purpose for which the scribes quoted that text was to answer Herod's question, Where? And the answer is, we we know, Bethlehem. But if Herod had asked them who, they might have read on a bit further in Micah, uh, in chapter chapter 5, and uh, a couple of the verses here, I'll read them. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Uh, and they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. All of these passages pointing to a long, more stretched out, more eternal king. So this king is not just coming into being in the womb of his mother Mary. His going, goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Or as John's gospel famously begins, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He is an eternal king. And this king would not be limited to his realm in, in Israel, like all of, all of our rulers are, confined to their nation, whatever they rule. He will be great to all the ends of the earth. I think this is the first truth, and this is why worship is on the minds of these magi. Notice that Matthew doesn't uh, tell us about the shepherds coming to visit Jesus in the stable. Uh, his focus is immediately on foreigners, Um, coming from the east to worship Jesus. Um, Verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So Matthew, in in his gospel account, portrays Jesus at the beginning and ending of his gospel as the universal Messiah for all the nations, not just for the Jews. Uh, here, the, the first worshippers, uh, the, the wise men who worshipped Jesus, were not from Israel, but from the east. Perhaps Babylon, we don't know. They were Gentiles, they were unclean. And at the end of Matthew, the last words of Jesus are, as we spoke about last week, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Friends, this is really, really important stuff. Uh, Here, these wise men coming from so far away, uh, they come to worship the king. This not not only opens the door for us Gentiles to rejoice in the Messiah, it's added proof that he was the Messiah. Because uh, one of the repeated prophecies was that the nations and kings would, in fact come to him as the ruler of the world. Um, I don't know if if you guys know um, Isaiah very well, but Isaiah talks a lot about Jesus being the king coming. Uh, And in in Isaiah chapter 60, um, he writes, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. People will bow down. 
So Matthew adds proof uh, to the Messiahship of Jesus and shows that he is indeed the Messiah, God's King, uh, the promise bearer and fulfiller for all the nations, not just for Israel. He is the ultimate blessing bringer for all the nations. Friends, Jesus is worth worshipping. He is the only one worth worshipping. For the Magi all those centuries ago and for us today. My second point is uh, God's goal is that his son be worshipped by everyone. Um, I'm not sure about about any of you, but but sometimes when I I sit down and and I open the Bible and I start to read, I sit there and I just want to scratch my head. Um, Over and over again, the Bible tends to baffle us, our our curiosity about how, how things happened. One question I've always had is, how did Noah round up all those animals? I, re- I, really, I, like, I really want to know. It's not something that happens every day, and it's, it, it seems out of this world. How did Jonah survive in, in, for a couple of days in, in the belly of a fish? These are questions that we don't have answers to. Um, it does, uh, how did the star in this story get the Magi from the east to Jerusalem? It doesn't say that it, that it led them, that it, but only that it went before them. It only says that they saw a star in the east and went to Jerusalem. How did that star get, get, uh, go before them in that little seven or eight kilometre walk from Jerusalem to Bethlehem? As verse 9 says it does. And how did a star stand over the place that the child was? The answer is, we don't know. But there, there are plenty more examples of this all over the Bible. But what is plain, I think, concerning the matter of the star is that it's doing something that it can't do on its own. It's guiding these magi, these men, to the Son of God to worship Him. There is only one person in, in biblical thinking that can be behind the intentionality of creation itself and that is God Himself. So... The lesson, I think, is, is kind of plain. God is guiding foreigners to Jesus to worship Him and He is doing it by exerting global and even universal influence and power to get it done. Luke shows, uh, influencing, uh, Luke shows God influencing the entire Roman Empire so that the census comes at the exact time to get uh, uh, Mary and Joseph and an unborn Jesus to Bethlehem to fulfil prophecy with her delivery. Matthew shows God influencing the stars themselves in the sky to to guide foreign magi to Bethlehem so that they can bow down and worship him. Friends, this is God's design. He did it then, he is still doing it now. His aim is that the nations, every single one of us, worship his son the Messiah. This is God's will for all of us, including the person that we sit next to in the next cubicle at work, uh, across the back fence at home and, and even in our own homes. This is God's ultimate plan for all of us and it is good. It's good for us to worship Jesus. That is what we are made to do. At the beginning of Matthew, we see this come and see pattern. The Magi go and see Jesus and they adore him and so should we. Adore him. 
I don't know about you, but, but I, I don't do that every day. I don't adore him as he should be adored. Friends, we're also to go and tell. This is important. We're, go, we're to go and tell those around us. Remember that Je- uh, worshipping Jesus is good for us. God's goal for each of us is to worship his son. His goal for all of our friends and our family who don't know him is to worship Jesus. My third point is worshipping Jesus is hard. And this is probably uh, where, where kind of the rubber hits the road a little bit for us. This is probably not the main point of, of Matthew, but it is, I think, an inescapable part of the story as it goes on. Uh, in this story, there are two kinds of people who don't want to worship Jesus. The first kind are the people who simply do nothing about him. Uh, He is essentially a non-entity in their lives. Uh, This group is represented by the chief priests and the scribes. Have a look at verse 4 if you've got it in front of you. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Well, they told him. And that was that. Back to business as usual, whatever that was. The sheer silence and inactivity of the leaders is overwhelming in view of the magnitude of what was happening, the events, the glorious events that were happening. And notice verse 3 says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Friends, in other words, the rumour was going around that someone thought the Messiah had come. The inactivity on the part of the chief priests is staggering. Why not go with the Magi? Why not go and and look for themselves? Well, friends, I think like us occasionally, they are just not interested. They don't want to worship the Messiah, God's forever King. He is a non-entity in their lives. The second kind of people who uh, don't want to worship Jesus is the kind of, or are the kind of people who are deeply threatened by him. And I think that's represented as, as Herod in this story. He is really afraid. And to be honest, you can see why he reacts the way that he does. Uh, he was afraid of losing everything, his, his power, his authority, his control. He is so afraid that he schemes and he lies and then he commits murder all to try to get rid of Jesus. And there is a lot of collateral damage in his plan. So today, these two kinds of opposition will come against Jesus and his worshippers, indifference or hostility. And to my shame, and this is, this is me um, being an open book, I occasionally find myself self in both groups, sometimes indifferent about the King, the Messiah, not wanting to care. And I think that's sometimes all of us too. We all struggle with that. But sometimes we're also hostile to his call into our lives. I want to do things my way. Our lives get in the way. If you have a think for just a moment with with our careers, our desires to be successful our kids and our grandkids and everything that comes along with raising them. I think we can feel threatened by Jesus. How? Well, I think it has something to do with the fact that we want autonomy. 
We want to control everything over our own lives. We want to choose what we do and when. We want to choose when, to, when we're going on holidays and what we give all our energy to. But Jesus, though, he calls us to leave our designs for our lives behind and he calls us to submit joyfully to him, to worship him. Not what we do for a living or what our kids are doing uh, or our next holiday as wonderful as those things are. I said, I said last week that the challenge for us this Christmas is to make Jesus the centre of it. I think this week, uh, the, the go and do point, the application point here is, let this be a time where we reconsider our indifference and our hostility to his call in our lives and submit joyfully to his good rule. Friends, worshipping Jesus is hard. It is for all of us, but it it is what we are designed to do and it is good. So let me uh, finish with the fourth truth in this story. What is worship in this story in Matthew 2? Worshipping Jesus means joyfully honouring him with everything that we have. And there are, I think, three like little pieces that define, uh, to this definition of worship and all three are kind of in this passage. First, I see the Magi giving author- humbly giving authority to Christ by calling him the King of the Jews. They acknowledge his station. They know who he is, the King, uh, God's anointed King. They say in verse 2, where is he who has been born the King of the Jews? Second, I see the Magi honouring him by literally falling before him in verse 11. Uh, we don't do that in our culture. We don't bow down to things. I mean, maybe when King Charles does grace us with his presence, we may see a bit of that. But generally, that's not what we do in our culture. But they did. They literally fell to the floor and worshipped him. Uh, they were saying falling to the ground is, is, I guess, what you say to someone else when you say, you are high, I am low, you have great dignity and honour and I am lowly by comparison. That is what they are saying by doing this. Thirdly, and I think really, really importantly, I see the joy in their honouring of the king in verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's what my uh, translation that I was working with said. And I guess this is a fancy way of saying that they rejoiced. It would have been much to say that they rejoiced more to say that they rejoiced with joy and even more to say they rejoiced with great joy. What's all this joy about? Well, they were, they were, they were there seeing the King, the Messiah. I just can't avoid the impression then that true worship is not just honouring Jesus, it is doing it joyfully. It is doing it because we have come to see something about him that is so desirable that being near him, to honour him personally, is overwhelmingly compelling. Friends, honouring Jesus with everything that we have means adoring him and going and telling uh, those around us who do not know about him, uh, do not know him about him. It means realigning our lives uh, so that indifference and hostility to Jesus is not second nature in our lives. 
Friends, and so may God take the truth of this passage this morning and waken in us a desire for Jesus himself this Christmas. May we say from the heart, Lord, you are the Messiah, the King of Israel. All nations will come and bow down before you. Your plan is that the world would see that everyone uh, worships the Lord Jesus. Therefore, whatever indifference or hostility I might find, even in my own life, I want to honour you joyfully, knowing that you alone can satisfy my heart for eternity. Friends, let me encourage us not to go into this Christmas uh, with indifference or hostility to Jesus' call into our lives, but a deep longing to bow down and worship him joyfully as the Magi did, to bow down and submit to him as Lord, to come and adore him and honour him by going and telling those around us about him. Friends, let's spend time this Christmas uh, and into, into next year, honouring Jesus with everything that we have. I think this is the wise response to Jesus this Christmas. Let me pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your Son, our Lord Jesus. We thank you that uh, he came and uh, even as a baby, uh, the Magi went and worshipped him. They bowed down before him joyfully knowing that he was the king, your forever king. Father, help us to realign our lives, uh, that we might um, get rid of the, the indifference and the hostility to him and his call into our lives and worship him joyfully. Amen. I think we're going to...